you look it up in the Urban Dictionary, all in means be, to be totally committed to something. So when I say all in, we're going to be looking at what it means to be all in with Christ and to hold nothing back. So there's three things that I came up with when I was thinking, what is it to be all in with Christ? Well, first of all, we need to have a solid foundation. So without that, we can't be all in. So what, include, what it, does it take to be on a solid foundation? So first, we have to realize and recognize that Christ died for us and that he rose again and accept his forgiveness, right? So that's part of the foundation. And then the word of God, to read it and to know that what it says is true and good, that no matter what, that God is good, that God loves us, to know the scriptures and what they say, to put our foundation on Christ. So when I first got here, which is about four years ago now, um, I wanted to rename the kids' church. So I was praying about what it is that I want these kids to go away with. So I found Matthew 7:25, which is the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat upon the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So we named the kids' church Kids Rock. So um, I have been in church my whole life. And I can't even tell you um, the age I was when I asked Jesus into my life. I would say probably five or six. Um, and then I know as you're going through church and they almost make you feel like what you, that prayer, you just got to keep praying. So I know I prayed a ton of times throughout my life. But I think I was like five or six when I first asked Jesus into my life. And I remember we used to have these guys come to our church from Teen Challenge. So they were... Um, probably 12 guys we had come, and I used to love to watch them during worship because they would just get so excited, and they would just be praising God and jumping around, and I was like, wow, they're really excited to be here. And then um, who remembers Sunday night when we had testimony night? Does anyone remember that? Well, we used to, they would come up, and they would share their testimony um, and just say, you know, talk about how they were in such a dark place and how they didn't have any hope, they didn't seem to have a future, and instead they used alcohol or drugs or whatever it was, and they tried to fill that void that they had in their life with these substances. But then when they went to Teen Challenge and they learned, they learned how to get off of these things, and they learned that there, no need, there didn't need to be that emptiness anymore, but that Jesus could fill that hole. And they were like, we are so excited. We no longer feel that pain. We no longer feel like we have to turn to something else. We have Jesus. And we are excited, and they get up there, and it's contagious when people are excited about Jesus, right? And just telling you their story, and now I no longer live in fear. I no longer live in sin. I have joy that I can't even explain. And I just remember thinking, what a great testimony. I'll never have a testimony like that. I was five. How am I going to, you know, my testimony is not going to look the same as that. And it took years later for me to realize that my testimony is just as good. And just saying, you know what? As a kid, I accepted Christ. And I never strayed away. I never had to go through where I was seeking something else to fill that void. I stayed. Jesus was always there for me. And there's hard times and there's tough times. But to know that he is there, that is a great testimony in itself. And that's what I long for for all of our kids is for them to not have to stray away and to not go their own way, but to always stay with Christ and always have that foundation. So, again, how do we get that foundation? Is knowing the word of God, knowing who Christ is. 
And another thing is in Hebrews 13, 14, it said, This world is not our permanent home, but we are looking forward to a home yet to come. So to know that life does not end here, this is not our final destination. This is not what we even live for, but we know that we're going to be with Jesus again someday. We're going to be in heaven someday with him. And that's exciting. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking um, that about a year ago, we lost four very amazing people in our church to a car crash. And so when we were dealing with that, um, we, I had Jolie come down and talk to the kids and counsel with the kids. And she um, had me get out some paper and just said, okay, we're going to let them draw and kind of share their feelings. So they drew um, Heather and Bruce and Megan and Scott, and they drew them with big, smiley faces on. And then they drew themselves with really sad, crying faces. And I was, I was looking at the paper, I thought, they get it. We are so sad because they were amazing people and they are not here anymore. But we are so excited because we know that they are excited because they're with Jesus and they're happy and they're not sad. I'm like, they get it. That is foundation to know that this world is not our home, but that we are going to be with Jesus someday. So a lot of times our world will tell us what to put our foundation on, right? It says oh, what, on, what you look like, where you live, your status, your job, your bank account, all these things. And even people, I've met people in the church that think, oh, you're following after a man almost, or you're following after what this church is saying or what this church is doing. And they have their foundation on all this weak stuff rather than on God and what God says and what the Bible says. And unfortunately, I have been a part of churches where the pastor has had moral failure. And it crushes people. Like they can't believe in God anymore because this man who is supposed to be a godly man has failed. But I was like, we do not serve that man. We serve a God. And no matter what man does, it does not change who our God is and why we serve him. We need to have a foundation on Christ and not on anything else. When sickness comes, that's one that's hard for me, too, because my brother-in-law, about 10 years ago, was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and we have watched him get sicker and sicker. And we have prayed, and we have prayed, and we have prayed. And I still am praying for God for healing for him. But one thing I've learned, that no matter what happens, my God is still good. I don't want to see him sick. I don't want him to, to die. But God is still good, and that does not change who he is because we are dealing with sickness. This world has a lot of sin and evil in it, and sickness is a result of that. So God does not change because of our circumstances. God does not change because of our feelings. God does not change because of anything over here. So we need to have a solid foundation. So when those winds come, when those rains come, it might be hard. We're going to go through sad times. I have cried and cried and cried for many things. And it's not like we don't have feelings and we don't go through tough stuff. But we know that God is still there, that God has not left me, that God is for me, not against me. And know what the scripture says, and my God does not change no matter how I feel. So I came up with a solid foundation was our first thing. And the second part is living a life surrendered to God. So surrender is a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to the conqueror. When an imposing army surrenders, they lay down their arms, and the winners take control from then on. Well, the good thing is that God is for us, right? And he's not against us. So when we surrender to God, it means we set down our own plans 
and we eagerly seek after him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, God promises that when we seek him with all of our heart that we find him. Jeremiah 29, 11 is one that we hear often, but for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not disaster. They are plans of a hope and a future. God loves you, and God has great plans. So even when our plans kind of go awry or their things don't look like the way we think they should, to know that I know that I know that God has told me he has good plans and not for disaster. As I seek after him, he has good things for me. I don't know about you guys, but I can kind of be a control freak. My husband likes to point that out a lot. Um, so he likes to take me to the store and not tell me what we're looking for, and it drives me crazy. So, <laughs> um, or we'll go on a ride, and I was like, okay, where are we going? I'm not telling you. I'm like, okay, so where'd you say we were going? And he's like, I'm not telling you. I'm like, oh, you're killing me here. So I like to have things planned out. I like to know how things are going. But he thinks he needs, I need to let go of control. So that's his way of kind of trying to help me, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't really work, but... Uh, so I feel like I do that with God a lot, too. Um, and sometimes, well, I'll just share, like, when I was 14, my mom um, came up to me and she said, Mary, I want you to know I'm praying for your future husband. I was like, Mom, I'm 14. But then I was like, do you think it's too young to pray for my future husband? And um, she said, no, I've been praying since you were born. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to start praying for my husband. And I'm going to start praying for my kids. And I'm going to start praying that I'm a great mom. And I had all this plans of what my life was going to look like and how it was going to be. So then at 22, I met Anthony, and we got married. And we had this, like, five-year plan, and then we're going to start family. So then probably we waited a little bit longer. So at, like, six years into it, we're like, okay, it's time to have kids. Then a year goes by, and two years go by, and three years go by. And we're like, okay, maybe we need to go to the doctor. So we went to the doctor. He's like, well, you both have issues, but, you know, not that you can't have kids. But then we, like, talked about it and didn't want to do any further testing or anything like that. And I just kind of was like, okay, God, you know, I really want to be a mom. I wanted my whole life to be a mom, right? So then I start... And I didn't even realize I was doing this until recently, but I started having this plan. Well, God put foster kids in my heart, so this is how we're going to have kids. We're going to do foster care, and this is how we're going to be parents. So we went through the process, and it was just fairly recently, and um, we got to the point of our home study. So we went through all the classes and everything, and we get to our home study, and I just don't feel peace. And I'm like, okay, God, this is just, just might be fear because I just it's unknown, and I'm scared, and I don't know. So I just prayed and prayed, and I said, God, if you don't want us to do this, then I pray that she will call me and cancel it to come to our house for our home study, because I'm not doing this, because it just might be me. I'm like, this might be me. I don't know. So I prayed all day, and then about two hours before she was supposed to come, she calls and says, my daughter's sick, so I'm going to go pick her up, and I'm not going to be able to come to your house today. I was like, okay, let's reschedule for Friday, right? You know, that's faith right there. So, um, and then on Friday, we had planned, and I still didn't feel at peace, and I was just like, God, if it's just fear, then just let it keep go ahead with it. Um, but all day I just prayed, if it's not your will, I don't want it to happen. Because although I think it is a great thing to do, if it's not what you want, I don't want to do it. 
And about an hour before, she, said, she texted me and said, I'm feeling really sick all of a sudden, and I just, I'm not going to come to your house today. So I was like, okay, God, I, I just trust that this is what, right now, this is not the plan. This is not what you have. And I will tell you, I had such a peace come over me after that of just surrendering it to God, of just letting him have it. And then I talked to Anthony, and he said, well, you know, I was kind of feeling the same thing, but I didn't want to, like, I know how much you want to be a mom, and I didn't want to, like, crush you. (laughs) And I was like, you have to tell me this stuff. But I will tell you, as we surrender, because I feel like that is finally one place in my life that I've fully been able to surrender to God, because I don't know if we will ever have kids. I don't know if we'll do foster care in the future. I don't know what it is. And, you know, I used to when I would get on the internet or look at pictures or find out someone was pregnant, you kind of be like, oh, that's great. And then you go home and you like just cry because you're like, you feel, you want to be happy. You want to be so happy for them, but you feel so sad because you don't have children that you've always longed for and you've always hoped for. And then one day it happened and I was like, I saw pictures and I didn't make me sad. And I heard someone got pregnant, and I wasn't no longer sad. I was really happy for them, and I didn't go home and cry. And you just go, God, thank you for healing my heart. I always thought the healing would come with children, but it didn't. He had different plans and different ways of doing it. So I'm just so thankful. And as we surrender, whatever area it may be, I'm just sharing my story, but as we surrender with him, there is so much peace, and things don't necessarily look like the way we think they should, or maybe we want them to. But God's plan is so much greater than ours. So as we surrender, I still feel like there's so many areas. I'm like, God, teach me how to surrender this area to you because I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I'm struggling to let it go. I'm struggling because I want to know how this is going to turn out. But God, help me. And he does. And for me, it's been a process. But I am just so thankful that he is there with us and he's there for us. So Proverbs 14:12 says that our plans to lead to destruction So we want to seek after him and go for what he has for us. We need to let go of our own attempts to earn God's favor and rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So I'm going to read that again. So we need to let go of our own attempts to earn God's favor and rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. I know as a kid... And I try to, things that I've learned as I got older, I try to always make sure that our kids don't see it the same way I did when I was a kid. But I used to always see as like, there's, you're always told, do not, do, do not, do not. You know, all the the scriptures and stuff about the Ten Commandments, which are great, but you almost get like, oh my goodness, if I don't do this, God's not going to love me. Or if I do this, this is my way for God to love me. And if I mess up, oh no, does God still love me? And you kind of get into this whole thinking that you're working for God's love. And it took many years before I realized that God loves me. I don't have to do certain things for him to love me. But when I do those things, I am showing him that I love him. And that was like an epiphany for me. It's like, wow, God, this is my way to show you I love you. Because sin will separate us from God, and he doesn't want that separation from us. He wants to have relationship with us. He wants to have intimacy with us. He wants us to grow in him. And when we're doing things that pull us away from him, we're not growing. So um, uh, Isaiah 59.2, which I just said, tells us that sin separates us from God. 
So as Matthew 6.33 tells us, to seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So as we are trying, and I think it's just a process too, is just living a life surrendered to God. There's so much in this world that can kind of consume us, but we want to make sure that we have our foundation on Christ and that we're seeking to live a life surrendered to him. And the third thing that came to um, when I was thinking about all in um, is battle on our knees. How often do we think that our enemy is our spouse, our kids, our coworker, our boss, our in-laws, our parents? You know, we could name whoever. You could name it. You often think, oh, man, if they just weren't there, I wouldn't have this problem or this whatever. We kind of put it on people and rather than seeing how things really are because we look at what's in front of us. But Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there are spiritual battles going on all around us. And the devil is real, and when we're pleasing God, we're making the devil mad. But that's okay, because you know what? Our God is bigger, and we don't need to live in fear. The Bible tells us to fear not 365 times, and there's 365 days in a year. God does not want us to live in fear, and we do not need to fear the devil. As I was thinking about this, I had this image come into my mind, and I was trying to find a picture so I wouldn't have to make you use your imagination, but I'm going to make you use your imagination. It's really not hard anyway. But um, So I want you to imagine a bear cub, and then there's a predator coming at this bear cub. Okay? And this bear cub is just growling and acting real tough. He's so much smaller than the predator coming after him. But you know what the bear cub knows? The bear cub knows that mama, mama bear is behind him, and you're not going to touch me. right? You're not gonna. So we need to know that when we are fighting things, we need to know that our God is so much bigger than anything that could come against us. Our Goliath in front of us might seem big, but God is bigger, and there's nothing he cannot do. And that just brings me to a song that we always sing in kids' church, is our, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I just love that because I'm like, it's getting in their heads and their hearts and their minds, but it also gets in my head and my heart and my mind, and I'm just like, God, you are so big, you are so powerful. And sometimes it feels like this world is evil and there's things coming in all around us, but my God is bigger. And to know what he says about us, that he loves us and he's there for us, and he never leaves us or forsakes us. So when I say we need to do battle on our knees, we need to bring our troubles before the Lord. So I know oftentimes there are, <laughs> I know you wouldn't believe, but me and Anthony, sometimes we get into it, right? And I just need to break and I just need to go to God. Because sometimes I can get so upset and just think like, he's the enemy. He's the problem here. He's the cause. But as I get before God and just leave my marriage at his feet and I leave my spouse at his feet and just get into his presence and just pray, my whole attitude will change when I get back with Anthony. And soon I'm asking him for forgiveness for my attitude and for my wrong behaviors. And God will just change us. He changes us from the inside, right? He changes how we think and how we see. Because guess what? The devil is against marriage. The devil doesn't want our marriages to last. 
He doesn't want our children to serve God. He doesn't want us to succeed and to do well and to do things for Christ. But we serve a God who's bigger. So as we seek him and we do battle on our knees, we'll see amazing things happen. So we need to pray for our churches. A couple weeks ago, if you were here about two Wednesdays ago, Pastor Scott uh, played a video about uh, church. I think it was in Washington or somewhere. And then, and then all the, the lies that they were letting into their church and just the beliefs of that sin is okay and that this Bible is not the final authority and that this is just a reference point and just all this crazy stuff. And you're like, wow. And they actually think they're doing good. You know, there's so much deception out there. We need to be praying for our pastors and our churches and for those who are in leadership. We need to be praying for our governments. We need to be praying for our mayors. If you look at the news, our schools and how sad it has become, you know, and, and our teachers, our policemen, our firemen, and everyone that's in a position of authority, in a position um, that has influence. And in reality, that is every single one of us. We all have influence over others. So, and another thing that no matter where you are, and sometimes we can get stuck where we think, oh my goodness, I can't wait till God moves me here. I want to go here. I don't want to be right here. But until God does move us, I think what he wants for us to bloom where we're planted, to do the best we can with where we are at, to love those around us, to be an example for him in all that we do and do our best for him and not for the attention of men. I'll tell you, Anthony had worked a job one time where it was very um, hard for him because it was very much about seniority. So it's about how long you've been there, not how well you do. So he would go and try to do his best every day, and there'd be one guy who would just be playing on his phone for like six hours a day, and he was there six months more than Anthony. So it, it, he struggled so much with that because he's like, as soon as there's a position open where you know he can get a raise or move up, he's going to get it first. And he's not doing anything. So he's like, it's so hard to get there and actually want to work and to do stuff when you're seeing everyone else just kind of goofing off. But we got to realize that when we go to work, when whatever we do, we're not doing it for men. We're not doing it. We're doing it for the Lord. And as we are faithful with the little that he gives us, he will begin to give us more. And then we can be faithful with much. And I know that can be hard. But as we take each day and say, God, today is the day that you gave me. And help me to do the best that I can for you in everything that I do. And I think instead of, like, I know people who would, like, I'm just going through the week for the weekends. I can't wait for this week to be over for this. Or wait, we just miss out on our whole life just waiting for weekends or waiting for this to be over, that to be over. When really God just wants to use us every day and every hour. So let's seek him in all that we do and ask him how he can use us. In John 14, 12 through 14, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he's telling us that we are going to do greater things but can I tell you, I do read, I read a lot of books about um, different people who are like great in the faith and saw healings and just all these different things. And if you read their books, 
I can tell you, none of them were just go to church on Sunday, go home, get through my week, go to church on Sunday, go home, get through my week, go to church. None of them were that. They were seeking after God. They were pressing in. They were saying, God, how can you use me? Set a fire in my belly, right? Use me for whatever you want. And God did. And I love hearing those stories. In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So as we do battle on our knees, pray for our families, pray for our country, pray for our churches, there's so much battle going on around us that we need to be aware and we need to know that our God is bigger and our God is greater and to turn to him. And I have one last story to share with you. Um, my sister, or my mom, was really good at um, sharing this all through my life. And even I was, uh, I grew up in Connecticut, and I was in Maine with, at my sister's house. I think it was in November. And my mom shared it again, which was great, because my niece and nephew were there. And I was like, they need to hear this. Um, but as when my mom, uh, my sister was about five years old, they would make her walk up the hill to our house and they would drop her off at the bus at the bottom of this hill. Now, she was five, so my mom would always take me in, in the car and go down and pick us up, and I was about two. Well, this one day, I was really sick, and it was cold outside, and my mom was like, she went to go start her car, and it wouldn't start. So she was like, well, she'll be okay if she just walks up by herself, because I don't want to take Mary out, and it's cold. Um, and then she felt, she said she felt it so strong, she felt the Holy Spirit telling her, go get Chrissy. So she did not resist. She bundled me up, she said. She started going down that hill as fast as she could. And she saw my sister coming up that hill. She's humming along and singing. And she's coming down. My sister's coming up. And then there's this car over here with this older gentleman in it. And my mom started yelling, Chrissy, Chrissy. And the guy saw her and took off. And my mom to this day says, I don't know what would have happened. I can't, you know, I don't know. But I know the Holy Spirit told me to go get your sister. And I did. So you listen. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you listen because you don't know the battles that are going on around you. So I still, to this day, I remember that story. So, And I would also encourage you to share those stories with your kids and with your grandkids and your friends because I think we need to realize that we can get so stuck in the day-to-day, -day, but there is battles going on all around us. And we need to go to our war room. We need to pray and do battle on our knees. So we're going to watch a video and we'll close in prayer. You've done it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good and you are mighty and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. 
Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle, that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day, God. Lord, I just thank you for each one that is here today, Lord. And I just pray that as we go through this day, as we go through this week, God, that you would just put on our hearts, God, Lord, that we would read your word, God, and that it would be life to us, God, that we would love others the way that you do, God that we would just serve you and seek you first in all that we do, God, and that we would not just get caught up in what this world says is acceptable, God, but seek after you first in everything that we do, God. Lord, we need you so much, God. So as we go through this week, Lord, let us just press in with you. Let us just seek you first in all we do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. You guys are free to go, and I just pray that as you go through the week that you'll just press in and just grow deeper with Jesus this week.